Today we start a new series, Jonah. It's a tale of compassion, death, and resurrection. You can be a little more excited about it because it is a masterpiece. And it says a lot in a little bit of space, and there is really no other book like Jonah. But it stirs up a lot of questions that distract you a bit of what the story is really about. So you start wondering, is this a true story or is this a parable? And is this a whale or is this a really giant fish? Or is this some type of sea creature that we don't even know what it is? The key question that we want to ask is, it's a more important question. Look, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. Here's the more important question. Why in the world is a prophet running from God? Shouldn't a prophet be running towards God and then carrying this word that God gives him back out to the world? But he's not because Jonah is a runaway. He's a prodigal prophet. A prophet that is running away. Now, think about that. That should pause and make you ask this question. If a prophet is running away from God, then it should make you ask four questions. Could I be running from God and not know that I'm running? And why would I be running? And where does it lead when I run from God? And what does God think about this running of mine? So we're going to answer those questions today. We're going to be in Jonah 1, 1 through 3. This is the word of God, and it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. First question, why would you run from God? Now, God says to Jonah, arise and go. And Jonah arises and leaves. In fact, this, these verses are hitting us over the head because he's called to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is said once, Tarshish, which is very weird to say for me, is said three times. And what this is, these two cities are opposite sides. In other words, Jonah is running as far away from where God is calling him as he can. And if you look at all four chapters, a really big picture view of Jonah, the first two chapters you find Jonah is being disobedient. The last two chapters, he's being obedient. But both way, he's running away in both ways. He's running through obedience and disobedience. And so you should be asking, how can somebody obey God and still be running from him? Jesus tells us this parable about this very thing of two brothers. The older brother and the younger brother. One is obedient and the other is disobedient. Now, here's the problem with both of them. Neither of them really want anything to do with their father. They just want the inheritance that their father can give them. So they just have different strategies of how to get that inheritance. So the younger brother, he goes up to his father and he says, Dad, can I just have my inheritance now? 
which in this culture is another way of saying, Dad, I'd wish you'd go ahead and die already so I can get what's coming to me. And so his father, in his wisdom, because he knows what, how this is going to play out, gives him the inheritance. And this younger son, this so disobedient son, runs off. And he lives this reckless life. And all the money is at one point gone, and he finds himself eating with pigs. And he says to himself, it would be better for me to go and be a servant or a slave to my father than be best friends with these pigs here. And so he rises up to go, and this idea is he's going to go become a slave to his father. And so he goes to his father, but before he gets to his father and says any of that, his father restores him to become a son and throws a huge party. And the older brother is pissed. And here's why. This old bro- older brother is, is out in the field, and he wants nothing to do with the party. So the father goes out to him and says, why aren't you at the party? And this older, obedient son says, all these years, I've been slaving for you. You've never once thrown me a party like this. And that big party that you're throwing him, that's part of my inheritance that you're wasting away. I can't believe that you have brought him back into this family after what he has done. Now, I want you to think about something. If this older, obedient brother really saw his father as his treasure, not what his father can give him when he dies, but his father as the treasure, he would have noticed how excited his father is that this younger brother has come home and he would be excited with his father and he'd be at the party and he'd be celebrating. But he's not because... He wants the inheritance. He wants something more than he wants his father. We need to check our hearts. Often, our obedience or disobedience, both of them, are just tools we use to get the things that we want. And we're wanting something more than we want God. We're prizing something more than we prize God. And so here's what we do. With this strategy, we go to God in prayer, wanting something more than we want God. And we say, God, can you please give me this thing? And what we don't realize we are doing is going to God as a tool to use to get something we want more than God. Or in our mind and in our heart, we start obeying God. And in our obedience, we're trying to rack up enough points so that God will owe us the life that we want. So that we can say to God, God, now you owe me the life that I've been chasing after. I did everything you asked me to do. Now give me the life. And God is saying the whole time, I am the life. Come to me. All right, church, I have just introduced to you your tricky little heart. And if I was not afraid to offend you, I might even call that heart of yours a bit evil. Now, what's the core reason for these two brothers running from their father? It's what they want. You have something that you want in life, and it's likely you want that thing more than God. And you're using God as a tool to get it. That's why... You never seem to do the things you know you should do. You know what you should be aiming at, but you're not doing it. And even if you are following the rules, there's something going on in your heart, and you know it deep down, and it's tricking you. And you're doing things that you think you should do, but you're not chasing after the true prize. 
Because, why? We are creatures of desire. We want and we want and we want. The problem is not that we want. The problem is what we want. The problem is not that we desire. It's what we desire. So what does Jonah want? Jonah wants Nineveh to rot in hell. The story is shocking in two ways. It's shocking first in that Jonah, a prophet, is running away from God. It's shocking second because Nineveh is evil. It's shocking that God has compassion on this evil city in Assyria. Now, Nineveh is in Assyria. Now, here's what you need to know about Assyria. Assyria, years after Jonah, would come in and invade Israel, the place where Jonah is, and drive them out of their homeland. They're homeless now because of this nation, because of this city, Nineveh. They're nasty people. They brag. There are records of them bragging about how they would torture their enemies. And what they would do is they would cut off both legs of their enemies, one arm. And as they were dying, they would shake the hand of the arm that they cut off to mock them. They would decapitate their enemies' friends and loved ones and force them to parade around with their friends' decapitated heads on these large poles. They would pull the tongues out of prisoners. They would stretch bodies out with ropes and then fillet them while they are still alive and throw their skin on the city wall. It's disgusting, yeah. And they would even set fire to adolescents. I mean, they are bad, bad people. And Jonah wants nothing to do with God showing them compassion because Jonah knows that God will be gracious if they turn to him. And Jonah, well, here's what else you need to know about Jonah. He's a prophet in the northern king kingdom of Israel, and he's a patriot. This would be the same thing as taking a Jewish man who hates Nazis and saying to him, go and teach them the ways of God so God might be gracious to them. Someone in the Ukraine, God saying, go to Russia and teach them the good news about Jesus so that God might be gracious to them. This is the heights of loving your enemy. And Jonah wants nothing to do with it. Because it violates his moral compass. He has this idea of what is right and wrong, and this is violating everything he stands for. Jonah is looking at Nineveh like the obedient brother. And he's saying, God, all these years I've been following the rules. All these years I've been slaving for you. And you're taking Nineveh and you're bringing them into the family? Are you crazy, God? Jonah cares nothing for his father's heart. He doesn't want to hear it. He's already made up his decision. And then at the end of the story, we find Jonah. So he's, he, he's, he was obedient. And then God calls him to do something he doesn't want to do. He becomes disobedient. And then at the end of the story, Jonah starts playing the game. And he says, fine, I'll go to the city. But his heart was never in it. And that is what I think the reason is why years later, Assyria would come in and invade Israel and drive them out of their homeland. Because Jonah was not obedient with his whole heart to the call that God gave him. 
When you run from God, when he calls you to do difficult things, by running from those difficult things, you're missing out on what God is doing in the world around you. And what God is doing in the world around you is meant to bless you. So by not being obedient to God, not only are you ruining the world, but you're actually ruining your own life too. Because you live in the city that God has called you to. When our wants don't line up with God's wants, we run. And it brings ruin upon ourselves. So are you running from God? So Jonah's running from God in three ways, and it's likely you're doing the same thing. Here's how he's running from God. From God's mission, from God's word, and from God's very presence. So let's just take each one of these and see what's going on with you too. So God wants to give compassion to Nineveh so they might change, and Jonah wants Nineveh to rot. And he's likely running not only because he wants Nineveh to rot, but because he's a patriot, he does not want to be seen as the guy who abandoned all the values of all the people that he's friends with and gone to that evil city and did good things for this horrible city. He wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't want to be seen as a traitor or a sellout. Now, the question becomes, what's your Nineveh? What is the mission that God has given you, and how are you running from it? Charles Taylor is a philosopher who's won many prizes for his work. And he writes a book called A Secular Age. And in it, he, he very convincingly shows how we live in an age like there has never been before. He shows how never, ever throughout history has there been a time when people would question if there is a God or not. And what he shows is because you live in this age, this way of thinking like a virus or like a plague, has entered into your veins. It's like the water that you drink. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are affected by this, and this doubt is plaguing you in everything that you're doing. It's completely changed the lens through which you see all things. The main slogan, or one of the main slogans, of the secular age is, keep your faith private. Don't take it public. In fact, it becomes like a moral thing for our age. The secular age has taught you that it is morally wrong for you to go public with your faith, especially if it's going to confront somebody else or it's going to challenge somebody else in what they think. And so that same social pressure that Jonah felt, you actually feel just in a different way. Jonah felt the social pressure not to go and make his faith public in Nineveh. You feel a pressure, a social pressure, a moral pressure even, not to take your faith public at all. And the problem with that is that Christianity is probably one of the most public faiths of all. There is not one area of your life that it is not meant to enter into. Today's moral pressure, keep your faith to yourself. And the irony is that that social moral pressure is actually a religion in and of itself. It's a religion with a mask, and it makes it very dangerous because it's a religion that puts on a mask to pretend not to be a religion and then tells you to do or not do moral things, which is a religion. 
So it's tricking you, and it becomes more dangerous to you. And then consider this. Both Jonah and Nineveh are a product of the culture they are in. The violent culture of Nineveh, for the Ninevites, is morally correct. In fact, if they lived in a way that wasn't violent, they would be seen, they would be seen as immoral people from their culture. And Jonah, same thing. He's running because he wants to stay in the culture that he's already in. So Jonah has the opportunity to follow God, and if he does, he will transcend the culture that he is in. But not only will he transcend his culture, but he will go to another place, another culture, and help them transcend the culture that they are in. The only way to be plucked out of your culture that you are in is for God to do the plucking out of. Because culture is way more powerful than you realize. There's a saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And what it means is that culture is powerful. And don't think that the whispering of the culture with the mask on that says all you should keep your faith to yourself isn't affecting you. It is. And it's tricking you. You have to transcend that. And the danger is, if you want to keep your faith private, you'll be forced to run from the mission of God, which then will cause you to run from God. Now, I know what you're thinking right now is, what does it look like for me to make my faith public? Does this mean I'm, I'm taking a, a, a loud megaphone and I'm going into my workplace and I'm screaming about Jesus? And the answer is no, please do not do that. So what does it look like? Well, we're not even asking that question right now. Right now, the challenge is, should you be making your faith public? The, the question is, are there people in your life that have been friends with you for a year or that you've been working with for over a year that don't actually know that you're a Christian? And if, if so, how is Jonah or this message challenging you? Now, then when you start thinking that way, you think, well, how am I representing Christianity? Because maybe there's a reason I'm keeping my faith private. And if I let people know, then they're going to wonder, well, is this how all Christians are? And is that a good thing based off of how you're living? Uh, and, and maybe not. Like, 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 maybe some of you are really bad drivers. And not only are you bad drivers, but you're angry drivers. And it, it might be bad for you to have a Grove bumper sticker on your car as you're driving around. It might actually be better, or a Jesus fish, it might actually be better for you to have the, that, that bumper sticker where the Darwin fish is eating the Jesus fish. Because maybe people that are, think that way would say, oh man, look at the way these people drive. Maybe I should switch sides here. So, if you run from his mission, you're not only going to be running from his mission, but now you're going to begin to start running from his word. Because look at what his word is calling you to do. And so what you're going to start doing is you're going to start taking out parts of his word that you don't want to hear. And as soon as you do that, now you've devalued all of it. So you can't really trust any of it anymore. And now you're really running from his word. And, and I, want you, I, want to, I want to tell you something that's really funny about God's word and people. People say to me all the time, if God would just reveal himself to me in his word or by his word, the same way he, he revealed himself to Paul or the same way he did to the prophets of old, then I think I'd really believe and I'd really live the way God's telling me to live. And here's why I don't think that is true. Because when you do a survey of the Bible, oftentimes when God's revealing himself to people, they're terrified. 
and they want it to stop. And you see Jonah right here hearing the word of God and wanting nothing to do with it. He's running away from it. It's likely that when you hear from God, you're going to be terrified and he's going to challenge you more than you want. And, and what God's word is telling us today is that you are a prophet like Jonah. Jonah's job is to hear God's word and then to speak it to others. Now, we're not really talking about that a lot today, but what I want you to know is Christ is the word made flesh. And by faith, he dwells in you. Which means now, you like a prophet are carrying the word of God wherever you go. It means you're representing his word and you're representing God himself. You are an ambassador. An ambassador is someone of one country that lives in another country but represents their home country. You are a resident of heaven living on the earth representing heaven. If Jonah obeys God's word, he's going to be very unpopular with his people. And the same thing scares you. You've run from his mission and now his word. And now, because of that, you're in danger of running from the very presence of God himself. You know, a lot of people will tell me, I just want to experience God's presence. Well, stop running from the mission of God and stop running from the word of God. And you'll start experiencing the presence of God. And, and, and what's so funny, too, is Jonah knows that he can't run from God. He knows the presence of God is absolutely everywhere. Jonah's running from the covenantal presence of God. He's running from intimacy with God. He's running from the temple of God and getting as far away from it as he can because he doesn't want God's touch on him because he knows God is going to force him to do something he does not want to do. So he runs foolishly. Perhaps he's mad that God has asked him to do this. Perhaps he's frustrated, disappointed at the life that God has given him because he wanted something much different. And perhaps we're not that different from Jonah in that God has not given us the life that we want. Because he's not given us the life we want, we're running from him. And then we're shaking our fist at him that he's not coming and being with us as we're running from him. Or maybe we're just scared because the moral temperature of our culture says, keep your faith private. Perhaps the real reason there's a distance between us and God is because we're a little bit scared or we're cowards. And we're fearing man more than we fear God. And the truth is, you probably don't really think it's that big of a deal that you're not following into the mission that God has given you. You probably don't think it's that big of a deal that you're running from the mission. And you don't see yourself as running from God, just the mission. Now, in our story, there's a lot at stake because Jonah's running from the mission that God's given him. In fact, it's life and death. So this is our third question. Where does running take you? In Jonah's story, there's a theme of running that leads down. You run from God. You don't run like this. You run like this. So watch, Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down to the port. He went down to the bottom of the ship. And there he lied down. And he went to, down into a deep sleep. And then down into the deep ocean. And then down into the belly of a fish. Running leads down. 
and down represents death. And it represents you becoming distorted. Like there's a version of you you're meant to become. And by running from God, you become less of that version. And you become more and more distorted into some version of you you are not meant to be. Down represents hell. And it represents a hell that can come now. Because at the end of Jonah, he's supposed to, you know, the, the ideal Jonah, would, he would be going to Nineveh. And at the end of the story, we see him do it, but he, he's mad about it. His heart's not in it. He's in Nineveh, but he's running from Nineveh. And he hopes they don't listen to the message, but he tells them the message. And then he sits outside of the city hoping that they don't turn to God, but they start turning. But they don't turn all the way, I don't think. Because years later, Nineveh or the Assyrians invade Israel and push them out of their homeland. Now, here's what I think would happen. I said this earlier. If Jonah was all in with the heart of God, if he saw the heart of God and treasured God as much as he had some other treasure, then he would see God wants Nineveh to change. And he'd go all in. And he wouldn't have been so quick in the city. I think he would have stayed. I think he would have done the work to see the city change, to help them enter into this intimate covenantal relationship with God. And then years later, instead of Assyria invading Israel and driving them from their homeland, they would have came to their aid, perhaps. Israel is driven out into hell, away from their homes, because Jonah would not be obedient to the call with his whole heart to go and reach Nineveh. And here's what that means for you. There's a mission that God has given you in your life. There's more at stake than just you. There's a mission out there. And that mission is to bring some goodness in the world around you that is sinking into the depths of hell. And if you will live into that mission, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be hard, but it will bring good out into the world. And as good is brought into the, good is brought into the world, good will be brought into your life. God blesses you. You go to be a blessing to the world, and the blessing returns back on you a thousandfold because the city's being changed, because you're obeying the mission of God. Not just like the older brother, but with your whole heart. You're in it. You have a deep compassion for those who have no idea who God is and where they're running. Run from God, and over time, your homes will begin to feel like hell. Run from God, and over time, your workplaces will begin to feel more and more like hell because you have a mission in your workplace that's greater than the work that you're doing. It's part of the work that you're doing. But there's an even a larger mission, as that is to bring heaven into your workplace. And as you do that, your workplace will be changed. But if you listen to God and make your faith public, it's going to bring difficulties. It's going to maybe bring pain in your life, but it will also bring good in your life. And what you also have to see is Jonah is like Nineveh in a lot of ways. Nineveh's just run, been running longer than Jonah has. And the same happens with us when we look around and care nothing for the people around us. We lack a compassion for them. What's going to begin to happen is as they drift deeper into this hellish abyss, it's going to make the world around you seem more like hell. And the world begins to sink. And it's the world that you're in. 
So I want to be honest with you here and tell you that we have hard hearts. And there's only one way for it to be softened. We need a truly obedient Jonah who will come running to us with so much compassion that he will do whatever it takes for us to change. We need someone to come to the Nineveh of our hearts. Fourth point. What are God's thoughts about your running? God's thoughts about your running are the same compassionate thoughts he has about Nineveh's running and about Jonah's running. He sees you running and he chases you. He's drawn to runners. You know that saying, if you run by a dog, the dog's going to get up and chase you down. Jesus is the golden retriever of heaven who saw you running and he came after you. And he didn't stop. In the story of the two brothers, the brother who ran off and wasted away in reckless living, he comes back home. And on his way back home, his father sees him. And his father sees him and his father takes off running. Middle Eastern men in that time do not run. It's shameful for them to run. It lacks honor for them to run. It's not noble. But this this father cares nothing about the ways of the age. He cares nothing about the culture that he is in. He is driven by his love for his son, and he will disobey any cultural age to get to his son. So he runs to him. Jesus is the obedient Jonah who wants what his father wants and filled with compassion takes off running to you. The story of Jonah is the story of a grace that searches down to the depths of the ocean all the way to the bottom and finds sinners and retrieves them and brings them back up. The cross is Jesus' abyss, his descent to get you. The resurrection is him retrieving you and bringing you up. So run into the mission that he's given you. Run into his word that he's given you. And if you will, you will be running into the arms of the great retriever of heaven who's already running after you.